Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. wearing today um the shirt is vivian westwood uh the bag is zara and the shoes are actually custom made um to be a meter long because i just moved house so um it's just easier when i'm measuring things up and what's your favorite drink uh vodka cranberry oh nice morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Neutral Vodka Seltzer, made with vodka, seltzer, and real juice. It's Neutral, the one with the umlaut. It's Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the yard and alongside me, thanks to the power of technology, Tass Mullis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. Also here on screen is the bearded woman, Top Shot Hot Boy, Trey Kirby. There you go. Hey, yo. And last but not least, in the background, making the magic happen, up in Toronto, yes, it's Jerome Chang. What's up, Jerome? It's much more comfortable in lower altitudes. <laughs> yes, you're back near sea level. Yeah. Got yeah. your legs under you? Yeah, good, good. super balanced, super great. Yeah. Are you not getting uh, nailed with another snowstorm in Toronto, though? Or is that, I avoided is that it. fake news? I, I was off last week. Uh, we had that snowstorm when I got back. It, it was the tail end. Like, there's snow everywhere, but um, it's melting. It's a melting. Okay, good, good, good. good. Well, shout out to the uh, stream team joining us live on YouTube. I promise today, no Nick Kroll clips. I screwed up everything yesterday, showing a fun Ref Jeff clip. And man, we got blasted by the YouTube copyright to the point where the show wouldn't even play for anyone. We did re-upload it. Uh, I know a lot of you just went and listened to the podcast, so thanks for that. But apologies. I thought we could show 25 seconds of Ref Jeff from Comedy Central. And it turns out CBS tasks their sticklers. Podcast listeners, that one was for you. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I guess, I guess, I don't know. I'm not really in the copyright world, but I guess it kind of shows you that the NBA is a little, you know, lax. Uh, sure. Allows you to throw up clips. Won't give you the money for it. You know, we can't monetize anything with an NBA clip in it. Anyways, we're getting into the nitty gritty, but they won't take it down like <laughs> Ref Jeff. Ref well, Jeff's a right, stickler, man. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're saying we can show like a wedgie clip, and we may not get to monetize on that particular <laughs> show on YouTube, but they, at least they don't block it all over the world. Yeah, it's not oh, like, like the old NFL or anything. Have some yeah, fun, yeah. Ref Jeff. Anyway, that was my bad. My bad. Whoops, my bad. Uh, but please, if you're joining us live here on YouTube, uh, hit the like button and make sure you subscribe. Also, send in your questions and comments to nodunksattheathletic.com. You never know when the boys are going to hit the beach to answer your cues. So get this in and uh, go get your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. Also, happy Survivor Day to all that celebrate. Survivor 44, obviously the American version, it premieres tonight. It's a two-hour episode, uh, which means we will return with no buffs 
tomorrow afternoon. TK, JD, and myself back in the Classic Factory. Hopefully that window gets installed with no problems today. That's where JD <laughs> is. Uh, and we'll be breaking that down. So No Buffs has its own podcast feed, its own YouTube feed. Search for that, No Buffs. And uh, TK, I'm, I'm sure you're you're pumped up about the return of Survivor here. Oh, I can't wait, Skeets. Uh, I was figuring out what to eat yesterday around dinner time. Drove by my favorite place, Wings Mania, and thought, ooh, some lemon pepper. That would be nice. Save it. Save it for Survivor. Oh. On a big night, it feels like uh, the Super Bowl. So I'm going to throw down a fat load of wings tonight <laughs> alongside oh. my Survivor experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I celebrate Survivor premieres with just eating rice. <laughs> like I'm on the island. A small no portion of rice. Just, fingers. <laughs> just a coconut husk and my fingers uh, is how I celebrate. But anyway, no buffs back tomorrow afternoon around 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll go live on YouTube and flip that into a podcast when we recap the episode. And my God, it's two hours tonight. So whew, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Also a lot to talk about in the NBA Let's get into as many games as possible. I've sort of like lumped the games last night into different categories. We can start with the Eastern Conference, move our way to the West. I thought we could look at the standings as well as we hit the home stretch here. But the big storyline task is Giannis returning and the Bucks having a dominant second half to beat the Nets 118-104 for their 15th straight win. Tass Mellis. I mean, I... I, I I feel like it's going under the under the radar somehow still that this team has won 15 straight, but here they are at the top of the NBA uh, record-wise. Yeah, we mention it with every win, and we try and point it out. This team is on an absolute hot streak, but mm-hmm. it still kind of flies under the radar. I totally agree with you. And Yannis Kupo, I thought this dude was hurt. I mean, he goes into the <laughs> All-Star game, wrist hurt, plays one possession, has imaging done on it, comes back because he plays through everything bumps a knee, has to go out. Now he's back again. I thought of all the stars last night. Uh, you know, we've got all this MVP chatter. This guy's game was the most dominant of everybody. And that's the scary thing. Even though this Nets team putting up a great fright going into the third quarter, the scary thing for the rest of the league is that in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, when teams may take a foot off the pedal, we'll get to the Sixers uh, potential championship chances a little bit later in the show. A team like that that takes the foot off the pedal. There's a guy in this league that absolutely does not. He's getting better with age. He, at 33 points, 15 boards in this game. Uh, how many were freaking dunks? Uh, so many <laughs> yeah, hammers. So many hammers. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, everybody's got to be scared. TK, what do you think about the uh, Bucks 15 straight here? Uh, pretty impressive. Uh, pretty impressive considering Giannis has played a total of 15 minutes in the past two weeks. Basically, the NBA let Giannis get a little bit of a vacation here, and he came back looking completely <laughs> energized. The Nets had no way to stop him from playing downhill, and with his legs feeling as good as they were, once he was playing downhill, it was just dunk fest after dunk fest. But they won 15 straight games, and only now are finally passing the Celtics for first in the Eastern Conference. It's going to be a battle for the rest of the season to see which of those two teams holds on uh, to the one seed going down the stretch. I think they do play each other one more time, which will be huge. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, really impressive that the Bucks were able to string together these wins considering Giannis has been in and out of the lineup. They haven't had perfect health at all. Portis missed 11 straight games. They won all 11 of those as well. But this is a deep, complete team that obviously has continuity 
from the past four or five seasons playing together. They've added pieces here and there that are going to help their team in Joe Ingles and Jay Crowder. Scary team. Everybody knew they were one of the best teams coming into the NBA season, and they have looked like that once they finally got their full squad back together. Yeah, Bucks and Celtics do play one more time. Uh, we went through it on yesterday's podcast. Must watch games in the home stretch, and uh, I believe it's Doctor's Day, March 30th, that the Bucks and Celtics play <laughs> yes, because they only play on holidays. Of course. Christmas, Valentine's Day, and then March 30th, and that will be the tiebreaker, and that could be huge. They could very easily have the same record overall, and that could bump one of them, whoever wins that game on March 30th, uh, into that number one spot and uh, potentially having home court all the way through, if not the Eastern Conference, but even maybe the entire league uh, if uh, one of them to, were to get to the finals. So big game. Yeah, Giannis looked awesome. I like the dunks, of course. Uh, I love that little Dirk shot he's got going too, feeling very comfortable with that sort of like one leg up around the free throw line. I uh, pulled that out a couple times in this one. Drew Holiday was talking about it. And then there's the fact that when he sits, the Bucks. They have Middleton that can just go on like a little mini sort of five or six point run. You can do that with Drew Holiday. He's done it all season long. That's also just like, I mean, that's just huge for this team. What Giannis can sit and they don't completely fall apart when you have like two sort of borderline, if not all-star guys in those guys who are getting better and better, I think, as the year goes on. So yeah, they look pretty impressive there. Nets hung around for a while, but in the end, Milwaukee pulled away. Let's keep it going. Because I'm going to lump two games together. One of them was our featured game on playback last night. The Raptors beating the Bulls 104-98 for their eighth victory in 10 games. And then we had Beal and the Wizards spoiling Quinn Snyder's Hawks debut with the 119-116 win. And uh, we watched a little bit of this, especially at the end tasks, again, on playback last night. But this is big, of course, in terms of, like, the play-in race, or getting out of the play-in into the playoffs, whatever in the Eastern Conference. Raps win, Wizards win, with the Bulls and the Hawks picking up L's. What do you think? Well, we were taken in the league last night on playback. Uh, I had some deja vu, i got to be honest. Watching that Raptors-Bulls game, it felt like I was watching the Raptors like 15, 20 years ago because I had the experience <laughs> where it felt like I was watching my, my local team without league pass, without the ability to click to league pass. It was like, oh, as soon as we turned over to OKC Sacramento, literally OKC Sacramento, I was like, oh, this is good basketball. This is how basketball <laughs> is supposed to be played after watching that horrendous Raps Bulls game. It was, it felt wasn't so pretty. refreshing. It was ugly. It was Brickfest, and uh, the ball just wasn't moving. And literally, yeah, watching those Kings you know, actually fluid offense, tear that thing up, remove that thing around and tear up a defense. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty Bulls uh, Raps game. I don't really want to take much from it. It was just a little disappointing to have, you know, new father Fred and Scotty Barnes not not anywhere close to their capabilities. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Scotty Barnes was like instrumental in the fourth the quarter. The blocks were he there. He had bad three quarters and then he's a, was he's amazing. A quarter, he's a one-quarter machine, Skeets. He is. Yeah. Uh, I wish we could get more of that, Scotty. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess out of these four teams that we're talking about here in this, uh, you know, odd play-in tournament, sort of mix here. I was surprised to see Bradley Beal be the best player of all of them. He had a superstar-like performance with 37 in, the, in that game. Mm -hmm. They just kept on relying on him when they needed a bucket and uh, helped them get to the end there, you know, as Trey had a, a couple shots to try and make it work. Beal was really, really good. Trey, sorry about your Bulls losing to the Raptors in the No Dunks Bowl 3.0. Um, it wasn't pretty. You watched a lot of it there on playback. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts on either that game or the Wizards doing a really good job of shutting down Trey Young late in that game, 
Uh, you, you, know, you hit the one three and then had a couple looks that were really deep bombs, but they did a great job. There was a lot of blocks. Kuzma had a huge one. Beal shut him down in the corner, which forced a turnover two points the other way. I thought they did a great job. That may have been the... I mean, look, I haven't watched every Wizards game this year, but they look good down the stretch. They looked like a believable play-in team, I'll say. Yeah, uh, number one on your list for most watched games was Bulls-Raptors. Uh, thankfully, no. only chronologically, because... That's right. That was an ugly game. Two ge- two teams who cannot score if the other team was set, basically. Uh, the Bulls had 19 turnovers. The Raptors had 19 offensive rebounds. So Toronto took 23 more shots. And that's basically how they won. Vooch had a tough one in the second half. Five turnovers. And it was getting pretty ugly for Big Vooch, baby. Uh, but yeah, Scotty Barnes, for whatever reason, he turned into Andre Kirilenko in the fourth quarter. He was just <laughs> yeah. all over the place. Doing everything, basically, except for scoring. The blocks were awesome. The rebounding, the passing, it was all there. And then you're right, Skeet, and you're also right, Tass. It was basically Bradley Beal versus Trey Young, and Bradley Beal was the better star in the fourth quarter last night for the Wizards than Trey Young was for the Hawks. And down the stretch, Beal cooked Trey for a layup. Then he hit a pull-up jumper over DeJounte Murray. Then he hit what ended up being basically the game winner, that little leaner banker sort of shot. That was impressive. From Beal. Meanwhile, Trey went one of eight in the fourth quarter, had one assist, had one really bad turnover, and like you're saying, Skeets, blocked three times down the stretch, and then had two decent looks at three. He had just hit one three from basically the same spot as he got the first attempt on the last possession. Then I thought the second look was even better off the offensive rebound. Great time to get a shot up. Just missed both of them. Great effort from the Wizards to actually win this one, being down, coming back a little bit. I thought they were 1-2-3 Cancun over the weekend. It was a disappointing effort against the Bulls, but they played really hard last night. I thought Kuzma was engaged. When you show up dressed like he did, you have to come out and score a little bit. You have to give some sort of effort, but you could tell the Wizards knew they needed to win to stay in this scintillating race. They pulled it out. How would you even describe for the audio listener what Kuzma was wearing to the arena last night? How do you even begin to describe that fit? Uh... No, man. I, I was looking at it so much. Is it soft? Is it hard? It kind of looks like chain mail. It yeah. kind of looks like uh, at the end of the Christmas season, you take all the tinsel and garland off your tree, throw it into a bag. Then if you looked into the bag, that's what Kuzma was wearing. Yeah. It yeah. looked like he would have been at one of the parties at the beginning of the very first Matrix dancing in the background. If you put all those things together, that's what Kyle Kuzma wore to the game. Hey, way to paint the picture. Those are great, great ex- or, uh, descriptions of that very unique look there. But he, he backed it up. You're right. He, he played great. I think, uh, Jerome, you can throw up the Eastern Conference standings here as we talk about the Raps getting a win, the Wizards getting a win. There it is. Apologies to the uh, two teams in 14th and 15th spot in the Eastern Conference. They don't even make the graphic. Um, but, yeah, does anything jump out to you here, Tass, with – Again, 20 games, really, to go for a lot of these squads um, as we look at the East standings. Well, the battle for sixth, really. Uh, all these yeah, jumble teams we're talking about here, Atlanta, Toronto, Washington, and the Bulls, 8th through 11th. But uh, the 5-6-7 the matchup, you want to jump into the top six, and the Heat right now are in seventh behind the, the Nets and Knicks. Those are close enough that those three teams could interchange. I think we uh, we got our top four, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, and Cleveland, but uh, you want to be top six, no doubt. And and it feels like any of those teams uh, you know, at the top would be worried about a Heat jumping in or a Knicks team or a Cleveland, less so about the Nets. Uh, but you know, we, 
we're still going to have some nice first round matchups, I, I, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, it's hard to take any of these teams that we're talking about right now all that seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm excited for the playing tournament. I got to be, I got to be totally honest. It gives us something to cheer for uh, as, as fans of these teams. There's <laughs> no doubt, true. but it, but yeah. I don't really buy that any of these teams are going to knock off. Jeez, they're 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 playing the Bucks or the Celtics. I mean, those <laughs> yeah, those are the tough. real championship contenders. Yeah, the the if they the championship them. for unfortunately our teams this year will be winning a play-in game or two and just getting it, and then it will be like, <laughs> fingers crossed, you take one game from uh, either the Bucks or the Celtics. Yeah, whoever it is, I agree with that. Also, in news with the Raptors uh, yesterday, they signed Farton Will Barton after waving uh, Bo Cruz, uh, and this is of note because one, they need any scoring from the guard position they can get off the bench. So that makes some sense. I know Will Barton has not had a great year for Washington, but he's been pretty good before with Denver. And uh, they play Washington. This is some revenge game factor here, maybe, Tess. Twice this week, perhaps <laughs> Wizards. Will Barton got in last night's game, right? He played like a handful of minutes. Um, minutes. Yeah, but uh, what would you think, Tess, as a Raps fan of them, you know, picking up uh, Will Barton here at sort of at the at the deadline, I guess, to add to a playoff roster? He didn't get a lot of chances there in Washington, as, as much as he had before. So I guess he was upset with his minutes. He's not going to get the same amount as he did like last year in Denver uh, where he started. Uh, but I like the revenge factor. There's no doubt about it. It's a smart little move for a couple games. Uh, yeah, does he still have that, uh, you know, that ability to just catch fire? You know, for three minutes, that's all you're looking for. You know, th- three buckets, three buckets will. That's all you're looking for. But also, <laughs> sad to see Wancho go. Uh, we thought maybe, you know, he'd stick. Maybe he'd stick. I mean, just that. He was just great that. in that movie, wasn't he? Yeah, he sure he was. was great in that movie. Uh, will Barton is a better scorer than Wancho, and the Raptors need scoring more than they need another guy who can play defense. But somebody should tell Masai Ujiri, there are other teams besides the Nuggets that you can get players from. <laughs> Wancho, former Nugget. Will, former Nugget. You can you can scour the rest of the league. Uh, not only do the Raptors play the Wizards twice here, they're both in Washington on Thursday and Saturday. Their next game is versus Denver on Monday. So Will Barton's going to have three <laughs> revenge games in a row. Then they, they play Denver a little bit later in March. So he's got four games here. against. They got the, the Trailblazers on the schedule oh at all? Oh, my God. They play, the, they, they play the Wizards even later. Holy <laughs> crap. Maybe they just signed Farton Will Barton for, for the revenge game factor. He's, he's going to pop off here. You watch in one of these. Um, yeah, but it makes sense. Like, it, it, like look, this is going to move the needle on the Raptors' chances of really even getting into the play-on and avoiding a playoff series. But it is a need that they've had. There is no doubt. Like, they've looked a lot of times – Malachi Flynn has been given a chance and you know there was the uh, uh Banton was given chances and Downton even is going to give him a chance they need, they need some pop um off the bench so now they have a lot of their guys back so Gary Trent Jr. moves to the bench so maybe it's not as a, yeah. it's like a um, Gary Trent light but you're uh, yeah. yeah yeah you're looking we're, we're 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 deep here the fact that Will Barton even played is probably a positive for yeah. uh, that just going forward they, they played five guys off the bench last night. You know, not a ton of minutes for a couple of them, but that's a, that's a good sign for Nick Nurse to try and get some some life out of the bench. But he was also searching. They just can't hit threes. So that's there's, there's yeah, a need that hopefully Will can get back to his old self. Uh, let's move over to the Western Conference. We'll start at the top, okay? Our seeds one through three all picked up victories last night. Jokic, 
His 100th triple-double Nuggets crushed the Rockets. 133-112. John Morant, he had a massive third quarter. He also had a triple-double. Leads the Grizzlies past the Lakers. No LeBron, of course. He's going to be out for at least two weeks, it sounds like. Then they'll reassess. And then Harrison Barnes scored 29 points uh, as the Kings beat the Thunder for their fourth straight. Trey, let's start with you there. Um, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento just continuing to rack up wins here. What impressed you uh, most from last night from those three games? There's not much to say uh, about the Nuggets taking down the Rockets. You know, Jamal Murray had 16 in the first quarter. So we were thinking on playback, maybe this is our 70-pointer. Maybe somebody's going for 60 in this game. It's against the Rockets, but it ended up being a blowout. So just got your standard Nikola Jokic triple-double. Nuggets are 24-0 when he has a triple-double this season. Incredible paragraph in the Associated Press recap of this game. There wasn't any hint of a celebration in the locker room after Jokic's big night. He sat alone at his locker with an ice pack on his back as he ate popcorn from a small box by pouring it directly into his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) This guy went out, had a triple-double in three quarters, just had a little popcorn postgame. That's what it felt like uh, for Jokic. Uh, The Rockets are playing out the string here. Uh, At least Jalen Green is back in the lineup for them. Uh, As for the Grizzlies-Lakers, incredible third quarter by John Morant. He was just rolling, and the Lakers couldn't do anything to stop it when they had a chance. And then there was just so many turnovers. They were allowing John to get into transition, and that's just a bad recipe for L.A. So not a surprise that they lost, but it would have been a nice win because Anthony Davis was playing pretty well. They did have a lead. And when you look at the other results in the Western Conference The Thunder lost, the Mavs lost, the Jazz lost, the Blazers lost. Would have been nice to pick up a game, but 26 turnovers for Los Angeles last night, which is just basically impossible for them to overcome when they're not shooting the ball 80% from three. Memphis had 86 points in the paint, 33 fast break points. These are all hallmarks of a Grizzlies victory. And then a humongous tip dunk from Jaron Jackson Jr. over Anthony Davis. Go-go gadget arms on that one. I have no idea how he even grabbed the rebound, let alone got it back to the rim for the slam. Yeah, and uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, the glass shattered, uh, <laughs> and Stone Cold Dylan Brooks showed up last night in, in, a, in, in another incredible fit last night, Tass. I don't know if you saw that one. I mean, he looked like Stone Cold. He had the jorts on. He had just the black vest <laughs> and red shoes. I guess that's a little different red than shoes. Stone Cold. And uh, then he went two for 11. But they got the victory, so who cares? And he didn't give anybody a stunner, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't rock it like Stone Cold. Let's be totally honest. Uh, just it didn't feel didn't feel like he could carry it. I got to be totally honest. It just, oh, it, it just it didn't feel like he had the swagger even. Like, you know, you, you got to have the shoulders bopping if you want to be Stone Cold. Coming <laughs> in there the with a vest a bit, and, totally. and nothing well, on I think, underneath. Uh, I think they are 2-0, and oh, though, now the Grizzlies are when Dylan Brooks shows up basically without a shirt on, right? Yeah. When he wore, the o- he wore the overalls the one time with no shirt, and they won that game. And then last <laughs> night, just the vest, no shirt, and they won that game. So, right. I mean, you should be saving this for the playoffs, really. But Well, he and he had the tank top on after he confronted Shannon Sharp. That's, uh, yeah, that's that, I mean, that was, that was post-game. That was yeah. post-game. It was totally yeah, different. Yeah. But that was the game where things went bad for the right. Grizzlies. Things right. started going way down so yeah he's got guts he's got guts pulling out a, a no shirt <laughs> like, like yeah they, they ran it down the throats uh of the lakers and 
yeah, that, that is exactly what Trey said. That's how they win games. That's the worrisome part about their potential in the playoffs is are those uh, opportunities going to dry up a little bit? But, uh, yeah, I was – I regret – I was watching on playback. You can watch in that sort of the preview mode before you switch channels. You switch streams to another game. And I saw that Jaron Jackson Jr. tip dunk, like as sort of the the melt footage at the end of the game that they were just showing over and over again. I was like, what what is this? And I didn't switch over it. I was just watching. I was like, is this from tonight? And I, I mean, I watched it on my own, and I feel bad that I didn't share it with you guys. Obviously, oh, it was uh, ridiculous. <laughs> it was so dare you, man. so nice. Yeah, the moment like him. And uh, Ian Eagle, I think, uh, on a Jared Jackson Jr. block, or maybe it was an Anthony Davis block. It doesn't matter. He said, do not go in there, uh, which was great. Uh, it's great to hear a broadcaster call that back. Uh, yeah, they, they gave it to him. Uh, the Rockets, Nuggets, uh, yes, we are on 70-point watch. We're on Rockets watch every time. An opposing guard especially plays the Rockets because they play any sort of pick and roll so soft. They drop off, and Jamal Murray could have gone for – as many as he wanted. Unfortunately, he only shot 18 times, but yeah, he had 16 with four minutes left in the in the first, and I was watching the next couple minutes, uh, watching it back to see what he did. And then he, he missed one shot, and he was taken off, and he ended with 32. I mean, he could have gone for it yeah, if he wanted, but I guess this team follows Jokic and isn't selfish. But the Rockets watch is fun for that reason and for Boban Marjanovic playing minutes at the end mm, of this hey. game. Uh, man, you get him. On an island, uh, also uh, slightly fun to watch. Uh, but, uh, yeah, not a lot to take from uh, from those games other than that. Yeah, and the Kings, you know, beating the Thunder, there was no SGA for OKC, but there was no Fox uh, for the Kings, and it didn't really matter. Their starters were, like, lights out Sacramento. Herter, Mitchell, Sabonis, Murray, Barnes, they all, they all shot over 50%. I mean... <laughs> It almost all shot over 57% of the starters there. So uh, they ran away with this one, even though, the, you know, the final score looked close. Um, but nice, nice victory for them as they stay within striking distance of the Memphis Grizzlies. That's the crazy part to me. They're a game and a half back, uh, the Kings are, of the Grizzlies for the number two seed in the Western Conference. So good job by them. All right, let's move on here to some of those teams a little bit lower. We had Poole and Clay Thompson rallying the Warriors back to beat the Blazers, 123-105. McDaniels, he had 20 points. The Wolves beat the Clippers, 108-101. And then it was an Eastern Conference win, but we put it here because Halliburton scored 32 as the Pacers beat Luka and the Mavs, 124-122. to So there you go. The Warriors win of that bunch. Blazers lose. Wolves win. Clippers lose. And then the Dallas Mavericks lose again, Trey. I believe one and four now when uh, the two superstars are playing and they're giving up a lot of points. Even even though now, um, is Kleba back? Kleba's back. Or... Yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. so he makes his return. But in the end, uh, they come up short there at home to Indiana. Uh, what are your takeaways? Hey, at least the Mavs got a shot up this time. Making <laughs> strides forward. Did Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic pass each other the ball on the last possession? No. Just went straight to Kyrie. He got a pretty solid look at a three. And honestly, like, you're going to live with Kyrie Irving taking that three. A fair enough shot, though. Luka did draw two free throws uh, on the possession prior to Andrew Nembhard missing a couple. But Indiana mm -hmm. in this game shot 58% from the field. So much of it was Dallas just being slow in transition, not getting back on defense. And Indiana wants to play fast in the first place. 
they did a great job of doing that dallas's opponents six of their last eight since the trade have shot over 50 percent so that's obviously a problem also they sent the pacers to the line a ton 40 free throw attempts for indiana they made 31 of them it's always going to be like this for the mavericks uh they're always going to play in a close game it's always going to come down to the last possession because they don't have the personnel to get stops, and their best players are all offensive players. That's why it is nice to get Kleba back, because at least he is a two-way front court player, which they don't really have in McGee or Powell or Christian Wood. Kleba, plus nine in 23 minutes, you'll take that going forward, but also he ain't going to be able to play much more than 23 to maybe 28, 30 minutes, something like that. The guy's not a 40-minute-per-game player, so... It feels uh, unsettled in Dallas. We kind of thought, you know, between Luka and Kyrie, they've got two incredible closers, two guys who can get a perfect shot anytime they want to. It has not been that yet. Mm. It has been what we assumed. No defense, lots of offense. But you have to hope that the clutch play picks up between Kyrie and Luka because that's what the Mavericks are betting on because there's really nothing else for them to fall back on. Yeah, this Mavericks team obviously going into the offseason has the huge question. Is Kyrie going to stick around? And we wanted to see if they were you know, just sort of uh, able to get to learn each other here through the regular season. And, and the Jason Kidd, I think, adding another question to the mix by throwing in Justin Holiday into the starting lineup, a guy they just picked up off waivers, sort of added a question to me like, it just adds another thing for them to figure out, another wrinkle, another player, instead of just playing Josh Green, who's been there all season long. It's like, just focus on the thing at hand here. And that's getting Kyrie and Luka playing together and let everything else be the same. And now they've got Josh Green play, coming off the bench, not uh, playing uh, as many minutes as he did with the starter. It's not even a situation where he's the sixth man and he's he's coming in and playing you know a starter-type minutes. He's playing less, and that's... That's strange to me. I thought those two and Luca and Kyrie beside Bullock and Powell and Josh Green would be, you know, some semblance of a, a decent defensive lineup. But now you throw in Justin Holiday. Uh, now we have to work in the Kaliba thing. You're playing an offensive player like Tim Hardaway, way more minutes than Josh Green. That's why you give up 69 points in the first half to this Pacers team. These are the games you have to win. I, you can you can take some yeah. losses against some bad teams, but giving up so many points. Um, to this Pacers team who who are like they just feel they felt comfortable I, I wanted to watch this game to see how how they got to 69 points and they just felt so free and easy like a guy like Jordan Wara coming off the bench hitting step back threes in the corner uh for 16 he's got two straight 18 16 point games a guy who was a throw-in in the in the Kevin Durant trade in a, in a four-way deal there like all these guys were flowing uh and I think if you have Bullock and Bull and and Josh Green out there just just a little continuity you're just adding sort of more of the unknown uh, with Jason Kidd here. So I, I think that's that's kind of a mistake. And, uh, yeah, they have some time to get it together. But I just don't get it. I don't I don't get yeah. this. Oh, let's go pick up a guy who's waived to try and fix things when Josh Green was playing really, really well in the starting mm -hmm. lineup. It's like the Terrence Mann thing that we'll get to with uh, the Clippers later. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to playing the Pacers right now where they are at this point in the season, they're glorified pickup runs. So it's like – and they're totally fine with it. Like, look at the games they've played recently. It's like high-scoring affairs. Oh, yeah. There's not going to be a lot of defense played. And they're totally, you know, content with that. 
Um, but the Mavericks should not be obviously trying to like get in the playoffs and move up the playoff standing. So that's embarrassing. Yeah. The green thing is fascinating. Like why is holiday playing over him suddenly? I mean, all season long, people saying Christian would have, should have been playing more, should be playing more. It's, it's a bit of a mess right now. And I will say like, I thought Luca had a, there was like 35 seconds to go. Kyrie got him the ball sort of like not in the post, but like on the wing, Luca spun had a, I thought it had like a pretty clear path to the net or at least a very comfortable jump shot for him. And then he passed to Bullock up top who then had a bad pass over to Tim Hardaway Jr. And then he literally bricked a three. I mean, it was like a four foot air ball. Oh, yeah. like so that, bad. That was a bad miss. Just like, that was like just a perfect, you know, example of what the Mavs are doing right now. It's like, why didn't you take the shot? And then that's a bad pass. That's another bad pass. And then you just airball a, a three pointer there. Tim Hardaway Jr. did. It was, ugh. Um, and they still even had a chance with the Kyrie shot at the end after some missed free throws, but not good there for Dallas. Uh, you said about the Clippers there, Tass, you know, they, they get another L. Uh, you have some thoughts on them here as they, they struggle too, like a rough patch here? Well, even more so, they had it uh, kind of figured out even before adding Russell Westbrook. Like They were playing really well with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together. They had a winning formula. And Terrence Mann was their de facto point guard. They brought in Russell Westbrook to to be a change of pace guard who starts, which is strange. Like they want him to play faster. <laughs> you know, usually a change of pace that guard comes weird. off the bench. Uh, so I, they're just playing him way more than Terrence Mann. I get the idea, start Russ, because they, they, they want to start faster and he'll push the pace a little bit. And then you go from there. I mean, they tried this with Rondo a couple years ago and then Rondo was essentially banned from the uh, rotation entirely. Is that going to happen with Russell Westbrook if it's not working? Or at the very least, it lowers minutes. And, and so uh, now, you're, now you're figuring out two rotations. Now you're figuring out the starting lineup and the bench because you've moved Terrence Mann to the bench. And, and they've had two overtime losses since Russ has been there without their starting center in Zubats, and now this loss against the, the Timberwolves. So it's not, it's not all that bad, but you've got so many things to figure out. You added another thing by throwing Terrence Mann to the bench, and now you're playing Russ a ton. And he's not mm -hmm. a better player than Terrence Mann. He's just not. Terrence Mann's a better finisher. Terrence Mann is a better shooter. And so you brought in a guy who got waived. Play him at the beginning of the first quarter in the third quarter. Sure. Uh, but as Ty Lue said after the first game, i got to play Terrence Mann more because he's good. And uh, he should be playing more than Russell Westbrook, I think. So now th they had it figured out. And it's just, uh, it's just added another, <laughs> another question mark to that team. Although they're, they're deep. They have a lot of guys, uh, but I don't know. They're they're going to go through stretches where, uh, you know, Russ is not having great minutes. So are you going to take him off? Is Ty Lue going to do that? Is Ty Lue going to treat him like uh, he did that he did uh, Rajon Rondo a couple of years ago, which worked? It's really insane when you think about it. Like buyout guys on multiple teams were were picked up, Trey, and are starting. For, like, teams that are playoff teams. Like, you know, Kevin Love with the Heat. Westbrook with the Clips. Even Holiday here with the with the Mavericks. It's, I mean, that is, that's pretty rare <laughs> that there's a lot of guys. That's some desperate teams, I think, is what it says. Exactly right is what it says. And it says that if you're starting a buyout guy, your team isn't really a championship contender because that is a huge hole that you had to fill. And the hole you're filling it with is a uh, literal per layer off the scrap pile. Like the Lakers came into the last half of this or the last 
reporter this season saying, LeBron saying, these are 23 of the most important games of my career. And we do not want Westbrook here for him. But the Clippers are like, yeah, we're starting him and we're playing him a ton of minutes. And that was always the concern. Uh, not necessarily the starting, but the closing. And Westbrook has been closing. So we'll see if that continues throughout into the playoffs. My guess is yes, because there are flashes you see with Westbrook where he's creating, where he's getting easy shots uh, for Kawhi, for Paul George. He was he is a better passer, I think, than Terrence Mann. That's probably his mm-hmm. one uh, check mark that you would give him for sure. But uh, yeah, it comes back to bite you at the end of games here. That being said, I thought this was a pretty solid win for Minnesota, all things considered. They forced 24 turnovers from the Clippers, which is great. They scored 60 points. In the paint, the Timberwolves did. Gobert had a really good game, dunking a lot. Kyle Anderson, I thought, was incredible, keeping him involved throughout the game. And then Anderson made a couple of great plays down the stretch. Hit a real slow-mo kind of floater. (laughs) I think nobody thought he was actually going to shoot it. Knocked it down, then had a brilliant cut uh, on the baseline. Gets a dish from Anthony Edwards. As soon as it touches Anderson's hands, he shovels it to Gobert, cutting down the lane for the dunk that really sealed things. Two clutch plays from him. He's a linchpin player for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, and McDaniels played really, really well for Minnesota too uh, on both ends. He's had a nice little stretch here actually over the last uh, couple of games, even though they were dropping some of them. As for that uh, Warriors game, uh, wild stat from Statitudes. The Warriors trailed the Blazers by 17 and a half, but flipped the script in the second half, outscoring the Blazers by 35 points on their way to the 123-105 win. So the Warriors are just the third team in NBA history to win a game by at least 17 points after trailing at halftime by at least 17 points. <laughs> that is quite the swing when you really think about it. Um, the Suns did it in 2015, the Heat did it in 2018, and now the Warriors in 2023. Uh, and Jerome, go ahead, throw up the Western Conference standings here uh, like we did with the East. Um, and, and shout out to the Spurs, by the way, for beating the Utah Jazz. They snapped their 16-game losing streak. But here's a look at it, Tass. Uh, the Warriors are you know, now in fifth or tied with the Clippers, uh, basically win percentage-wise, five and six. And then it's Mavs in the play-in right now at seven, Wolves at eight, Jazz at nine, Pelicans hanging on for dear life at 10. Bad loss by the Blazers, drops them to 11th, then the Lakers and the Thunder. Any, any thoughts on the West standings? It's a situation where everybody, you know, four through 13, is uh, you can look at it, glass half full, glass half empty. They every single team's like, yeah, we got a shot, but also you know we give up every second game, and that's why they're in this scenario. It is crazy to see the Golden State Warriors up there in the standings. It just it just feels like because they had championship aspirations, like and Curry's been out for so long. It just feels like they should be lower, but because no one is pulling away, aside from the top three seeds, they could have home court advantage. Yeah. Well, let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk about championship contenders versus pretenders. And uh, TK is going to add on to uh, Mike Vorkanoff's NBA All-Fun team. That's going to be a blast. So don't go anywhere. We're back in 60 seconds. All right, here in the yard, take a second. Hit the little thumbs up if you're joining us live on YouTube. And uh, make sure you subscribe. Share the show with your friends. And if you're a Survivor fan, join us tomorrow for No Buffs. Got its own podcast feed, its own YouTube feed. Okay, we got some fun topics here by way of uh, some of the talented writers at The Athletic. Get yourself a subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash no dunk so they know that we sent you. Uh, first one, 
it is a fascinating time here of the NBA schedule. We just went through the standings. We're like six weeks to go, 20 games. Anxiety starting to creep in for some of these teams. And yesterday, John Hollinger, he harnessed that pressure. And he narrowed his championship contender list down to just three teams. Milwaukee, Boston, and Denver. That's it, according to John Hollinger. And he did this, like his determination came like from like analysis of previous champs, right? So he looked at the last NBA champions and what they had in common when it comes to like records and where they are. Of the past 26 champions, 45 of the 46 in the post-merger era had a top three record in their conference. So that was a big one. And of the last 43 champions, 42 won at least 52 games prorated in some instances to an 82-game season in their title season. And so that's why, Tass, he comes down to just these three teams that he thinks that are the only ones that are like going to sort of tick those boxes in terms of top three in a conference and 52-plus wins. All these teams really on pace for like 56, 57, 58, stuff like that. Um, what do you think of this article from Hollinger? And then we can get into whether he's missing a team or two. At first I said, how dare you, John? How dare you limit us to just three championship contenders? I want to believe going into the postseason. <laughs> but I have been thinking like this the last couple weeks. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally true. I think, I think he's basically spot on. I think we can go through the teams. In the Eastern Conference, he's got Milwaukee and Boston up there. And there's sort of a glut of teams below. Let's start with uh, the Miami Heat. They're the one seed last year, but they don't have – a very good offense. That's why they picked up Kevin Love and they're starting him. Who the heck is their starting shooting guard? Max Struess hasn't been good enough like last year. Duncan Robinson obviously isn't there. They're throwing in Tyler Hero because they have the 27th best offense because Kyle Lowry isn't playing. So I, I just think that you watch this team offensively. I said the Knicks were better, and I think they are. A, a tiny step up in the, in the championship contender realm, and they're closer to a top 10 offense and top 10 defense, which is a hallmark of an NBA championship team as well. They're not quite there on the offensive side. Is Jalen Brunson going to be Jalen Brunson from the first round series against the Utah Jazz last year? I think that would take them up you know, into the category of potentially knocking off in Milwaukee or Boston, but I, I don't think they're quite there yet either. So then there's a, a couple more teams, the Cavs, who have got all the signs of a championship team. They've got the superstar. They've got great defense you know, um, among the top couple defenses in the league. And uh, they, they can shoot the three at times enough as well. But I said, you know, just like the Grizzlies in the, in the opposing Western Conference that we'll get to in a sec, their offense just kind of, it mucks up uh, a lot at the end. They just don't know who they are. Mitchell gets into the lane. The passes just get bumbled because they, they don't throw out to the three-point shooters enough because they're thrown into Mobley. They, their offense is not fluid. They get in holes. Uh, and that brings us to the Sixers that we would think is probably the team that could that could really bang right. with uh, the, the, the Bucks for, or the The fourth Celtics. contender here, if you yeah. want to call them that. If you want to believe, you can believe. But it, it sure feels like there's there's a lot of question marks with this team. They're going to have to depend on Maxi a lot coming off the bench, which is a new role for him because they're only basically three really, really steady players. And if you have Maxi who's in a new role and he's not playing well, you're going to come, you're going to rely on Harden a lot. To, uh, and then you've got, uh, you know, besides Harden, you know, not performing all the time in the postseason, you've got Joel Embiid at the top who is a freaking MVP and, and could obviously MVP like uh, player who could, you know, win you a series. But there's question marks there too. He's got to sit during games. He gets injured with freak accidents all the time. 
And are the other guys going to step up and support him? I don't know if Tobias Harris can do it. P.J. Tucker doesn't want to shoot. There's holes. And, you know, like the other day when they lost to the Celtics, he said, this is my life. It feels like, you know, they're, they, they could just teeter in, in, a, in a postseason series. We just haven't seen them, number one, get to a conference final. And then, the, you know, and then the next step, which is, you know, take on three teams in the East. So I can understand why there's only two that you would believe in. But uh, the Sixers, it's it kind of it's, it's on Harden and, and Maxi to some degree to be incredible. Can you buy that? Because um, you know Embiid's going to be great. So that's that's the question there. They have the parts, but also you squint and you say they don't have the parts. So they got to prove it. I guess is what it comes down to. What What do you think, Trey, about Hollinger not including the Sixers as a legit title contender? And a big part of it, I guess, is like Hollander saying they're probably not going to get to 52 wins, right? They're not going to meet his criteria or at least previous champions criteria of like sort of that 52, you know, 53 win mark because they have a very tough road schedule here and they're only at 39. They'd have to win still a lot. Um, But do you think they should be included? No, Uh, I think the only way the Sixers would be included as a title contender on anybody's title contending tier is if they were on pace for 65 wins because everybody has questions about Harden and Embiid come playoff time. Harden, we've seen, has had a number of high-profile duds in big-time games. And Embiid, like you're saying, Tass, even at his absolute best, he's probably playing like 35 to 38 minutes a night. And the Sixers have yet to figure out what to do in the 10 minutes that Joel Embiid is on the bench. And that can lose games. That can lose series pretty quickly for them. So the Sixers this entire season, I know Tass and I were pretty high on them in the preseason, thinking they were going to be great in the regular season. They've strung together a real nice stretch here after starting off slow. But it has always been a question of prove it come playoff time. you got to be one of these top two teams in the Bucks and the Celtics, who everybody knew were going to be the top two teams. They showed up this season basically from the jump. And it played really, really well. The Sixers have rounded into form. They've got their best-looking team since the Jimmy Butler era, at the very least. And even that was really only half a season. This is the most complete team they've had, so it's their best shot. But (laughs) it's hard to trust them come playoff time until we've seen it happen. I I do think—I wonder if Hollinger includes them, though, if they win one, if not both, of these— last two games where they lose by one possession to the Celtics and they lose by one possession to the Miami Heat. Like those are tough L's, but let's say both at home. they pull those out. Let's say they win them. That's like a seven game win streak. That's 40 plus wins at this point, obviously top three in the conference. I mean, I don't know, maybe that, uh, I mean, it changed his, posi- uh, his, his mind a little bit and that's fair because those are going to be games or teams are going to have to beat. Um, and that's the biggest hurdle. It's like, you got to convince yourself that the Sixers are going to be able to beat probably both the Bucks and the Celtics. That's where a lot of people are going to be. One, maybe, possibly. Both, Ugh. when everybody's healthy, if everybody's healthy, that's a lot more difficult to convince myself, even though they have an MVP guy in Embiid. They got Harden, obviously, is incredible still. I mean, he's got to prove it in the playoffs. But they do have good role players, defensive-minded guys. They're a good three-point shooting team. They have the, the, the pieces here. But uh, they're in a very tough Eastern Conference. As for the West, is the biggest wild card task the Suns? Like we got to see Kevin Durant play tonight <laughs> with that team, and then and and whether or not they can sort of get up in the uh, Western Conference standings here. Yeah, if this was the the baseball standings, they would get the wild card for sure uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah, it feels like a team that it's going to give everybody a real, real uh, tough series. 
especially because they do have the framework for a championship team. They did get to the finals two years ago. And so now you're adding in Kevin Durant. And you know, they have dropped to fourth in the standings. So that's not usually where a championship team comes from. Right. But their best player for most of the season was injured. I mean, half the season, I guess you'd call it, for, with Devin Booker. So that's a that's a, a big part of it. And now they've got a, a better, better, best player. I, hold on. A better, best player in Kevin Durant coming in. Uh, so, yeah, I think they are the wild card for sure. So Hollinger, our man, has Denver as the only contender in the Western Conference. I can buy it. I've questioned the, the Grizzlies' offense. It's totally they, they they literally have you know that I think it's now around the the nineteenth twentieth best offense. You got to have a top ten offense. They get a lot of their points from fast break points, off turnovers, and that just changes in the postseason. You just got to have a better half court offense. And so it, it's like the Cavs to me. The Cavs maybe just don't have enough shooting. The Grizzlies maybe don't have enough shooting. The Cavs muck it up a little bit. The Grizzlies muck it up a little bit. They just want John Morant uh, going straight to the rim and. As series go on, I think Morant's going to get a little bit more, I don't know, uh, banged up, as a, slowed down, I guess is one word. They are going to get physical with them. So their offense just isn't great. So I, I think that's fair, even though record-wise, they have the second-best record to knock them down. The Kings is an interesting one. <laughs> I, I know no one, you know, throwing them in anywhere near the championship bubble, but they are the three seed, and they're, they're, their defense is just too too bad. Porous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's just it's not it's not championship worthy. So then there's Phoenix, and then there's Golden State and the Clippers. Golden State is such a strange one because yeah, they're on they're, they're seven and twenty three on the road. Even if they get Curry back, I mean they have to right. win three, probably three, two to three series on the road to get to the finals. Just kind of feels like the end here, but they have that championship pedigree. It's just hard to repeat. I don't know if they can do it. And then the Clippers, we. So many questions that they've gave to themselves by adding Russell Westbrook in here, changing their rotation. So I think, yeah, right now, Denver's the number one. Memphis knocking on the door, but uh, Phoenix could be knocking on the door, you know, kick Memphis aside and, and be the ones who are truly the, the, the ones that will deal with the, the Nuggets best. What, what do you think in the West, Trey? Denver stands alone, or do you think somebody, uh, or if not other teams, should be included? Denver is my only tier one team, but I've got the Suns as a tier 1.5. Like I've got a little, I need to see what they look like, uh, but I think they could definitely be better than the Grizzlies come playoff time. Mm -hmm. Because once it comes down to the playoffs, you got to have somebody who can make contested mid-range jumpers. And the Suns have the best player at making contested mid-range jumpers. They also have Devin Booker, one of the five best. And then they have Chris Paul, who can still do it occasionally, yeah. especially now that he's the third guy taking the jumpers. That is a team that is absolutely built for the playoffs when you're only playing seven to eight guys anyways. That's about all they've got to play. So as long as they're able to get up to speed pretty quickly, go into the playoffs with full health, that's a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, Hollinger, even in his piece here, he wrote, can Phoenix win enough to get into the top three, which history, of course, says is an important hurdle for contender legitimacy, that should be the goal from here for the Suns, uh, and it seems attainable. The Suns have to make up four games in the loss column on Sacramento, but they play the Kings twice, That's and they big. would own the tiebreaker even with a split. So, they, you know, the Kings have played phenomenal here, but we're going to find out tonight. I think KD is playing in Charlotte, and, uh, you know, they're going to have 20 games to see what the, the, the lineup is like, the minutes all, uh, allocation, 
who is helping, who's the starters with around these stars. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, you guys nailed it. It's, it's Denver alone. And then you can convince yourself, of course, because of the talent, because of Phoenix, because of the championship pedigree, cut the Warriors, the Grizzlies, like they're hit and miss. It's like, can they get hot at the right time? Sure. But I guess my point is I think Hollinger's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I would be betting on one of those three teams, Milwaukee, Boston, and Denver to win the title. And I, I wouldn't feel as comfortable betting on any of the other teams to do it. So we'll see. All right. Moving on to another great article. Uh, last week, Mike Vorkanoff, fun piece. Literally fun. It was his all-fun team. And uh, he created it. I'm going to share uh, his squad with you guys in a second. But he wrote, I wanted to make a team of players that I have the most fun watching. They're not necessarily the best players, the most well-rounded, or on playoff teams or whatever. They're not the ones generating the most buzz, TikTok views, or trade rumors. This is a personal list. These are the players that are fun to watch for me. Now, Mike did have one rule. He could only put one all-star on his team. <laughs> Which I think is fair because otherwise he was going to have like, it was going to be like an all-star team, really. So this is Mike Vorkanoff's NBA all-fun team. He did the starters and then the reserves. Here's your starters. John Morant. Okay, there's his all-star. Jalen Brunson. Jeremy Sohan with the Spurs. Bull, bull, baby. And then one of your favorites, TK, Shen Okay, oh, yeah. that's the starters. Oh, yeah. His reserves. Jose Alvarado. Sharp. Blazers rookie, high flyer. Had Huge dunk last night. Last night. Yeah, big, big dunk. Giddy, Aaron Gordon, and Nick Claxton. This is Mike Borkinoff's all-fun team. So, Trey, what, what do you think of his 10 selections there? And then I know you've got some more names. Maybe you're going to build your own team. But what do you think overall? I think this is great. Uh, you know, Bull Bull to me probably a little bit of a reach as a first-teamer at this point. But I can't hate on it. The guy's been awesome this season. And I actually like what Mike did, breaking it down with regards to just one single all-star and then some guys, you know, kind of hitting around uh, the fringes of it in Brunson. I I had to include more stars on my third team, unfortunately, but I wasn't going for the biggest names. I do have one huge name on it. do have one huge name on it who... I think uh, maybe it's just recency bias, but he's at least up there with John Moran. That's Damian Lillard, man. This guy is incredible to watch. It's usually deep threes. He obviously just scored a 71-point game, but even in that game, he uncorked a dunk that you wouldn't expect. And there's always a little bit of the game where Lillard is going to catch on fire. And when he's on fire, you know he's like hunting down the next shot. And I think that's incredibly Mm -hmm. fun to watch. So I got Lillard uh, on my team. Another star I'm adding, but only a one-time All-Star, Lowry Markinen. Wow. Currently okay. 12th in dunks on the season, 10th in threes. He's probably going to be the only guy in the league who gets to 100 dunks and 100 three-pointers. He's just a few dunks short at this point. Wow. The only other contenders for 100 and 100, as far as I can tell, are OG Ananobi and Christian Wood. Pretty weird list. Huh. If those are the three guys that end up doing it. But Markkinen has been awesome to watch this season. Uh, Bulls fans are convinced that Will Hardy just told him to take one more dribble before dunking. Because, like, every Markkinen dunk attempt in Chicago was from 12 to 15 feet. And now they're all from, like, 6 to 8 feet. And it works a lot better. He's been really fun to watch. He's thriving in that system there. Now, these ones are a little bit more of deep cuts. Okay. Sort of a deep cut here. Good Anthony Edwards. I'm talking December through January, Anthony Edwards, yeah. 25 points per game, 47 from the field, basically 40 from three, 
and it's all dunks and threes with him. He's been more engaged defensively, had an incredible jelly last night through the lane, finished on the, re on the left side with the right hand. I think he's awesome to watch when he's cooking, but when he's tired or disengaged, not quite as exciting to watch because my man will just throw you a double teapot and see what's happening. Pulling a JC yeah. can. I'm just watching. I ain't playing. I'm just watching. So good <laughs> Anthony uh, Edwards makes the list. Good Anthony Edwards. You, you sort of like when you were explaining his game there, especially when he was on, you get like sort of McGrady vibes, like young McGrady vibes. Yeah. Where it's yeah, highlight yeah. dunks, but like obviously you can catch fire and shoot. Uh, okay. That's a good one. Good Anthony Edwards. All right. <laughs> They're getting more granular. Yeah. I was also making my list three games of Cam Thomas. <laughs> 44, 47, 43. Became the youngest player in NBA history to score 40 in three straight games. No, he's just a rotation guy for the Nets. He's had 20, I think, three times uh, since the trade deadline, basically. But man, when he was cooking... That was the best story in the league for like a week and a half. The guy was unstoppable. And the Nets were in a position where they're like, yeah, man, take every single shot you want. That was fun to watch. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Three games of Cam Thomas. Three games of like Cam, Cam Thomas makes. Uh, and then probably my most questionable inclusion here. Bones Highland against the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> they just played okay. over the weekend. It was a semi-revenge game uh, for Bones. He took nine shots in nine minutes in the first half. I think it was Brian Anderson who was on the call. Uh, whoever it was, though, said something like, if you think this is Bones playing like this because he's playing against his former team, no, this is just how he plays. <laughs> he just wants to get some shots up, and they're coming. It doesn't matter if they're good shots. doesn't matter if he's open. Doesn't matter if somebody else is open. He's getting some shots up. He was overboard in the game against the Nuggets in particular. Didn't play the next game for the Clippers. But I love that Ty Lue was like, something special might happen against the Nuggets. We got to at least give him a chance out there. It didn't happen, but not from a lack of trying. All right. So that is Trey's NBA all-fun team. You got Damian Lillard, Lowry Marketing. Good Anthony Edwards, where he had that really nice stretch there. Cam Thomas, just three games. Uh, definitely not last night's Cam Thomas, where he went 0 uh -uh. for 7. And, uh, and then Bones Highland in the revenge game versus the Nugs. Uh, yeah. What do you think, Tass, of, of TK's list there? And, and is there anyone else you would at least add to your team? A very solid list. A very solid list, for sure. It's a great league we got because you can find a lot of guys. I think... Uh, Jordan Poole could be added. I just like the limbs being flared everywhere, uh, all the ball fakes when he gets into the lane. Just because he's so thin, it's it's pretty unique when he when he gets in there. That's it. Uh, I, I think we got – I mean, there's so many. Like, if you want to get into all-stars, you know, I like Steph. I like watching Steph Curry play yep. basketball. <laughs> yeah. Giannis is actually very fun to watch. Yeah. Zion's good if he's playing. Uh, yeah, we could go on and on. I, I would have, like, if I, I guess, like, so Trey went with Dame, great pick. Obviously, Vorkanoff goes with um, uh, with John Morant. I think for this season alone, just, like, on my list, obviously, I'm playing the Canadian homer card a little bit. But SGA is so fun to watch and has been all season long. And he just plays differently and the way he snakes in there and his uh, his funky release. And I, I would have him as my, like, you know, all-star on this squad. But you're right. You'd probably go through every roster and easily pick, you know, one or two, especially us sickos, where you're going to be like, oh, yeah, they're fun to watch, especially when they got it going. 
the Thunder have a ton. Jalen Williams, JJ almost made my list. I think he's uh, yeah, he's got 63 one. dunks, 53s. He might be a 100-100 club at some point. Wow, that's a good call. Yeah, he's fun as hell to watch. Uh, he had a great game last night too. Uh, all right, well, let's hear from everybody out there. Your NBA, all fun team. Hit us with your starters. Hit us with your reserves. Maybe try and follow Vorkanov's rules there. Only one all-star. See who you come up with. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, pick them results. And uh, two, count them two, tweets of the night. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy, and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, Row or ride at home or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. All right, pick'em results. We had that Wizards-Hawks game to wrap up the month of February. Atlanta, they were uh, favored by six and a half with that new Quinn Snyder bump, and they couldn't even get the victory, let alone cover. So I finally got one right to end the month. I had Washington. I go to six and 10 in February. Tass went to six and 10, and Trey, eight and eight. Not a great month overall for the No Dunks boys when it comes to picking games, but Trey overall, Still uh, a, a pretty sizable lead over Tass in second, and then I'm way back there. Ten games behind TK in first. But look, we got, we got a, a long month of March here to make up some ground, Tass, and let's do it tonight. Let's go get them. All right, what's our game? Uh, let's go to the battle for the play-in where the Blazers are trying to go get the Pelicans. 
Blazers at home in the 11th seed. Pelicans are in the 10th seed. They meet in Portland. Portland favored by two and a half points at home to the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't know. I just think the Pelicans will come around, so I'm taking them <laughs> with the two points uh, while you guys have the Blazers to win by three or more. <laughs> yeah, tough to have too much faith in either of these teams right now. So I flip a coin. I'll go Blazers along with Trey Kirby. Task taken. The Pels as we start up the month of March. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, we got two tweets for you here today. One silly, one maybe a little more serious, or at least we could, uh, you know, break it down. A little more basketball-oriented. But the first one, it's got to do with hoops. But I thought of you, Trey, if I'm being honest. Because this photo, or photos from at Ben's Hoops... Just uh, letting Worldwide Wob know uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah, this this travesty here where because of the weather, maybe, you know, a lot of snow out there, uh, the portable basketball net toppling over and crashing through the windshield of this person's car. Um, again, you got to get your weights on these rims, on these, <laughs> on these nets. You know, you're doing water, you're doing sand, or you're getting extra sandbags. Um so I know I asked you when you put up your new net, TK, did you did you put more weight on it? You said you were going to. Has that happened yet? Uh, unfortunately, it's only water right now, Skeets. Oh, no. I got to play That's it like Black, Black Street and bag it up because <laughs> this scared me because as soon as I saw that photo, I clicked in, I enhanced and realized the hardware identical to the hardware <gasps> on the back of my hoop. That's the oh, same wow. hoop. Wow. And that's the thing I'm most worried about is my hoop falling over into my car since I park basically just like this fella does right underneath the hoop. <laughs> uh, I guess the good thing is, is um, in Salt Lake City, it's heavy, wet snow yeah. falling from the sky. So that messes with your, your top weight there. Here in Atlanta, it's just lightweight pollen falling from the trees. And I don't necessarily know if that's going to knock over my hoop, but no doubt I got to get some sandbags. Yeah, it does get windy at times here. You yeah, know, get those sort of, yeah. uh, sort of almost tornado-like weather with those weird storms coming through. Okay, so yeah, I was thinking of you. Uh, my favorite comment under this one, by the way, was "Safe Light Repair, Safe Light Replace." <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud at that comment. So well done, whoever dropped that one. Uh, our other tweet, though, it's from uh, Andrew Sharp, Sharp Basketball Mine. He tweeted this and got me thinking. Is he right or is he not? So he tweeted yesterday, Giannis fans in 2020, quote, he's great, but sure, some of the skepticism is fair. He's going to have to prove it in the playoffs. NBA media, 2023, quote, Jokic is great. And actually, if you think he's got anything to prove, then you are the problem and you should say sorry to basketball. End quote. Andrew Sharp, Tass, your thoughts. Does he have a point? Is there is there some truth to that, or is Sharp way off base? Well, it's all about who you follow, and Sharp is following the wrong <laughs> people, I think. Uh, yeah, Jokic has stuff to prove. If you want to be one of the all-time greats, you gotta you gotta win a ship. Uh, so yeah, it's all it just all depends who you follow. So uh, I'm sure people were saying the same thing about Giannis back then, but you know the algorithm algorithms change, and uh, Sharp got screwed. Uh, or Sharp started following the wrong people. 
Because but, but Sharp's, Sharp's point is we were saying that back then. That we for Giannis. More... And everyone was like, yeah, you know, that's sort of the way it is. That's unfortunately the way it goes. Whereas I guess in today's new media, or at least with Jokic, I don't know what, that if you say that, if you voice that, people clap back at you and say, you know, you know, it's an affront to basketball that you even question that this man has to do it in the playoffs. I'm saying the right people are still saying that okay. today about the Joker. It was brought up on the show last week. You two-time MVP, it's it's fantastic. Uh, whether he wins three or whatever, uh, that you, know, you could be an all-time great projection, but you got to win. So, yeah, it's uh, it's about the followers. I think that's what it comes down to. Trey, thoughts on Sharp's tweet? <laughs> uh, I was glad to see this tweet, uh, to be quite honest, because it's felt like a little bit of a coronation for Jokic as if the MVP discussion is over. And I mean, the guy's putting up a triple-double every single night. And when he does, the Nuggets always win. So maybe it is over. But seeing the response to this tweet gave me hope that we can still have an MVP debate going further on into the season. We've seen Embiid outplay Jokic in a head-to-head matchup. They've got another one. If it goes the same way, maybe it's still a discussion, but I don't like the idea of the MVP being decided when there's still 20 games left on mm. the schedule. So that was the, the main takeaway for me is that people are still going to be fired up to talk MVP, even if it does feel like Jokic maybe has it sewn up at this point. Yeah, that's a, a great point. Let's hear from everybody. Uh, what do you think about Sharp's tweet? Let us know uh, and where you fall here in the MVP discussion. Jokic, is he a lock in your opinion? Does Impede still have a chance? Does Giannis, uh, you know, Tass was making the case on yesterday's podcast, uh, saying, is Giannis going to steal this thing? Let's hear from everybody. Let us know. Tweet at us at No Dunks Inc. Let us know in the comments. And, Let's uh, have a discussion. Too. Let's have a discussion. I think what Let's Sharp is discussion. also pointing out is that people are simply assholes. It has to be, <laughs> it has to be one extreme or the other. We can't come in the middle and talk. Let's just talk. It doesn't have to be Jokic's. Good or Jokic is bad. Uh, you know there there are those players out there that have gone to an NBA Finals and haven't won a championship, and or, or you know have won MVPs and haven't won a championship. There are levels to this thing. That's all. That's all. Let's call it there. That was a fun show, even though we're here in the yard. Thanks so much to Jerome for producing. Thanks for joining us live. We will be back tomorrow, hopefully in the Classic Factory at 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about tonight's uh, NBA action and big news. Maybe we'll hit the beach tomorrow, so send in your questions to nodunksattheathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksinc. And then, later on Thursday, No Buffs returns to our premiere episode of Survivor 44. If you are a fan, it's a great time to get in. We're going to fire up our pool again, some prizes up for grabs, so yeah. You'll have time with that pool, by the way. Don't freak out. We're not going to start it until the second week of the show again. Just get everybody in, get everybody situated. But yeah, tomorrow morning, no dunks. Tomorrow afternoon, no buffs. Can't wait. Guys, always great to see you, even if it is in digital form. Until tomorrow, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, when it comes to the number of championship contenders in the NBA... Ooh, we, ooh, we think just like Johnny Holly. Uh oh, there is not even four. Oh. I don't care what they say about the Suns. I don't really like them. I didn't mean that.
but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that was not bad. That was solid. Brace the day, people.